0: To be the best, you need to play with the best. You might not have your own personal high-level circle of women yet, but you can hang with us on the Female Millionaire Show. I'm Idori Verity, serial entrepreneur for over 25 years, and i interview badass female founders and cut through to what you really need to know. So in 20 minutes, you have what can take years to learn. If you're wanting to play bigger, come play with us. Join the female entrepreneur revolution today. Cheers. Today we are talking with a woman. She was an entrepreneur for a long time. Then she had kids and decided, you know what? I want a different kind of life now. I don't want to be in that rat race, that craziness at this moment. So she found a super cool, actually, they found her this really cool startup company. I'm gonna let her describe it to you. We are talking with Rachel Fox. She is the Business Development Director for Sunny Day Fund, which is a cool concept for helping our staff, our employees save money and become more financially fit and stable and um, building that out for themselves. So I love what she's up to. But what I love, Rachel, that we were talking about before we hit record is that even though you're working for a company, you still have this entrepreneurial kind of vibe to you as your role within the company. Would you agree?
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think it's really hard once you've worked for yourself to to take that hat off and not be really invested in whatever work you're doing. Like you want to know that your work matters and that you're going to make a difference. And if you believe in, in the mission of this company, as I so strongly do, then I want to put my best effort towards it. And I almost treat it as if it's my own company. So I'm definitely, you know, kind of become the face of Sunny Day Fun recently. I've been, you know, the mouthpiece for our mission and what we're working on. Um, I get a couple haters on LinkedIn who are just like, um, your personal brand is too involved with your company brand and like never the two shall meet. And I was like, no, like I put all my chips in. You you get me, you get all of me. And this is what I do. When I put my mind to something, I'm 100% in it. So um, there's no separations on that for me.
0: Okay, perfect. So tell us just high level, real quick, what is Sunny Day Fund?
1: Yeah, so Sunny Day Fund is emergency savings as an employee benefit. So um, a lot of people are using the 401k as if it's an emergency savings account when it was never really designed to be the vehicle of frequent loans and withdrawals. But when we saw so many people withdraw from their 401k during COVID, we finally realized it's like, Oh, that's happening because that's the only pool of money you have well, how did that pool of money successfully get there? Oh, because it's payroll deducted and employer matched, right? So retirement savings has shown us that if people are not saving for retirement through their paycheck, they're likely not doing it effectively or consistently on their own. So the same can apply to emergency savings. And that's why we see this plethora of debt solutions around employees. A lot of people are making money on employees not having that money. Um, They can pull out of their 401k, or you can get a payday loan, or you can put it on the credit card, you can get a Advances on wages or ask your employer for an internal personal loan, all of these things that are happening when it's really just about incentivizing savings. If they've got 5% cash back on their credit card, but 0.02% interest rate on their savings account, we wonder why they have a higher balance on the credit card. <laughs> so we want to start incentivizing people to save. Um, and we don't think that the motivation to save should just be the doom and gloom and fear of a rainy day. Like, yes, everybody needs a rainy day fund. But sunny days take money too. And people want to save up for a security deposit or a car down payment or a vacation or Christmas presents for their kids or whatever known expense they want to bring into their life that's a good thing. They don't always have a vehicle of how to do that. So we just are a payroll deducted savings vehicle that the employer matches once a quarter based on balances maintained so that people have a system of bringing good things into their life and not... Circling the drain around the debt solutions that are so ubiquitous.
0: So, two things on what you just discussed. Number one, you are a great professional because as my dog was freaking out, you stayed right in. You just stayed yeah. right on point. I love yeah. that. Totally. I got a
1: circus that's gonna come in here that just walked home from school. So when you hear them all coming in, like j- yeah, just gotta learn, to turn that up.
0: This is just part of business, yep. And live okay. video. Okay. And then number two, the fact that it's set I love what you talked about, the sunny day, you know, not just for emergencies, but for the things of of real life. I have a few companies and um, one of our companies, we have quite a few employees and they're all young Mm -hmm. and none of them save no Mm -hmm. matter what we say to them. Mm -hmm. So I totally see the value in what you're talking about because they suck. They suck at savings, even though we try to do that, you know, the matching with them and try to push them towards it. They are going paycheck to paycheck because that's where their brain is, right? So teaching them this discipline and this idea, they'll mature and they'll learn this habit over time, but having it so easy where you just set it up for them is brilliant.
1: Yeah. And they have the long-term savings vehicle. Usually people have retirement savings in place, which is great. We want everybody to do that. Um, But many times employers are telling us we have a hard time getting the younger generation to participate in that, right? Right. Um, And some of it is their invincibility of like, that's 30 years away, dude, I can't think about that. But a lot of it is they're coming into the workforce, not really having the financial acumen that previous generations had, who might've been raised by a grandparent who had lived through the depression and we learned how to be frugal. I mean, these kids are coming into a cashless society where it's just numbers on a screen that go around and everywhere they look, it's buy now, pay later, or five easy installments. And all of a sudden it's like, how, what, how am I in debt? What is this? What, how did this happen? Um, Because it's just so insidious. It's just everywhere. They hear it all the time, but the voices of savings are few and far between. So sometimes coming at them with a retirement account is like saying, Hey, I've got this great deal on a house. You want to buy it? The only, the only trick is you can't sell it for the next 30 years under any circumstances. Um, And a lot of times they're like, I don't know if that's for me. That doesn't move the needle with me. Right. Sometimes the short-term immediate goals are a lot more dire for them. But most employers don't have a short-term vehicle. They only have the option for the long-term. Right.
0: Okay. I want to shift gears a bit yep. because you have been an entrepreneur for a yep. long time and you talked about, you know, just that t- totally going after it. And I can tell that you have that personality style mm-hmm. um, where you you dive deep, but then you have kids. Mm-hmm. And so now it's time for this chapter of your life. Talk to me about that. Talk to me kind of about the mindset that you or the, the process that you've gone through from when you had your kids to deciding, OK, what's what am I going to do for this next chapter of my life?
1: Yeah, I had started um as an entrepreneur in 2002 and I was running my own kind of insurance agency. I've been in employee benefits for 21 years now. So, it's always been around benefits um because that's what you do with a biology degree. And so I had started my own um insurance company and I um you know, struggled in the beginning as everybody does until I found my footing and figured out what I'm good at, what I'm not good at and build a community of people around me who complement my strengths and weaknesses so that we can get the job done. Because you don't have to be a cookie cutter of everybody else in order to be successful. You just have to identify where your strengths are and put people around you that are strong in the areas where you're weak, right? So it took a little bit of time to realize that. Um, And I didn't plan on being there as long as I was. I was kind of in there because I liked the idea of like residual renewal income that insurance gave me because I knew I wanted to be a stay-at-home mom one day. So I was trying to plan that out. Um, I didn't foresee us being in IVF land for a decade. So I was there a whole lot longer than I thought I was going to be. Um, But such is life, you know, you have all of these intentions about this is the way my life is going to go. And then all of a sudden you get there and it's like, This Nope, this is not what I had planned. This is not the way that I had planned for it to go. But there, much to our chagrin, is a lot in life that's out of our control. And so I, at that point, was able to thrust myself into my job you know, for anybody going through IVF or who's been there, certainly, you know, a lot of people don't talk about their miscarriages or losses or those sorts of struggles. Um, For me, it was very open and, you know, I only had second trimester losses, so everybody kind of knew about it. So I didn't have the luxury of private grief. So it was really out there. So it became a soapbox for me, but it's really easy to feel broken and inadequate and like, you're a woman, you're supposed to be able to do this. And I couldn't do this. And I was very successful in most of my other areas of my life. And if there was something that I wanted, by golly, I knew how to go get it. But this was something that I really had to find patience and struggle with. So I was able to thrust myself into my job, be a really high performer. Um, that was something that fueled that brokenness in me because it made me feel I had all these accolades. I would get trophies, people would clap, I would be speakers, they'd fly me all over the country, I could do the, all the things. Um, And so in some ways it created a worth in me that I had lost in other areas of my life. So I was happy to have that job that I really, but I was working a ton of hours and I knew that that was just a part of me that I I wanted to find success in something probably overcompensating for my lack of success in, in, in the reproductive areas. So when I was finally able to have my kids, all my kids are, you know, IVF preemie NICU babies. And so that was like a whole nother thing where I didn't want to outsource any of that time to anybody else. I had spent my decade of blood and sweat and tears and money creating these little miracles. And I really did not want to outsource this. I really wanted that to be a priority. And so as a 1099, um, being self-employed, I could dictate how much time I really wanted to spend on my business. If any, if there was a money I needed more month, I'd work a little bit more. If there was a month I didn't need money, I'd spend more time with my kids. So it was really about being able to allow me to prioritize what was important to me and what was, you never know how you're going to feel as a mom. You know, some days you're just like, man, I got to get out of here and get back to the things I'm good at because I don't know why these kids are yelling at me all the time. (laughs) Um, And then there are other times where I'm just like, this is just the greatest blessing of my life. And I'm so glad that I'm here and I don't want to leave ever. So you know, as women, we fluctuate; we change our mind all the time. So I, I was happy to be able to have the flexibility in some of that. Um, but once my youngest was in kindergarten and was able to go to school full time, I was like. Wow. Because I had homeschooled them during the pandemic and I had homeschooled them a lot at home. And and I was glad to have those years. Um, but I always knew that was not going to be a long term relationship. <laughs> that was not a long term solution. I was really glad that I could say that we had that for those two years. But this was not going to be a forever relationship of me homeschooling as a teacher. So by the time my youngest of three was able to go to kindergarten, I was like, okay, this is this is good because I feel like I can now segue back into, you know, working full time. And really, I wanted to find something that, that motivated me where I mattered, right? I wanted to find something meaningful because I had al- always found really meaningful fulfillment in my job prior to this. Um, I just felt like I had done there, done that, been there kind of thing. And I didn't want to go back to that. I wanted to have a new journey. I wanted a new chapter. I wanted to learn new things. And I wanted a fresh start. I felt like I had this different perspective. Um, But I knew that I have a tendency to get a little bit um, intense with my work stuff. So I was like, really, I'm going to try the W2 thing for the first time ever. (laughs) Um, And I had gone back to work as a health broker and realized, like, this is not my jam. This is not what I love. So I had a couple trusted people. I just kind of told them I'm looking for something, but I'm not broadcasting it yet. And it wasn't even two weeks before this little cool startup found me on LinkedIn and was like, you're shiny. Like, let's, let's talk about sunny things. And then I was like, this is amazing. This is something brand new. I really believe in the mission of it. I love the idea of being at the inception of something and really helping to carve that out and create the voice in the market and be the megaphone of this tiny little startup. That's going to change the world. Like we have, we have, all of these big dreams and not a lot of money as most startups do. So you're really running on faith. And um, I think a lot of that has to come from that entrepreneurial mindset where you have to believe in your heart of hearts, like this is going to happen, even if I can't show it to you on paper yet. I know that it's going to happen because I know my conviction to it and I know what I'm able to do. And collectively as a group, we all feel that way. And that's been a really exciting adventure on this because it's not just me on my own. I really feel like I have this collaborative tiny little machine and all of us are cogs that are so incredibly interdependent on each other and to trust each other so so strongly with that and to really be trying to create something out of nothing, building the ship as we're flying it. I I do end up working a lot more days, which I said I wasn't going to do, but I work from home so I can just pop downstairs after the kids are asleep. I feel like there's a much better work-life balance now.
0: Okay. So let's talk about that. Let's talk about, it's a startup yeah, and you are the business development director. Mm -hmm. So What are some of the challenges that you've experienced so far as, you know, you have your expectations, you know what the goals are with the company, right? So what are some of the challenges that you have seen with the
1: organization for building it out? Does that make
0: sense what I'm asking? Yeah.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's really just pretty much like any other small business that's getting their startup going, you know, you have, some there's always going to be funding right budget's always going to be really paramount you're always going to be wearing many hats everybody that works for us works wears many hats because we have to be really efficient with our budget um, because we want that to go as long as possible. Um, we're also creating something that doesn't exist right now. So messaging is really intentional and really important. Marketing becomes really important for us. Um, there are a couple other companies doing what we do. So it's really about differentiating our, differentiating ourselves, having a unique voice in there while we're still educating people about this new opportunity. A big part of what we do is being super sunny, because I think that there's a lot of like, snooze fest kind of financial institutions out there. So we really try to be a lot more appealing to a broad base because we're doing something that's different and exciting. A lot of times money has emotions and stress and shame and people feel really heavy about it a lot of times. And it's usually a negative connotation. We're really trying to change the fundamental relationship that people think about money into like, instead of like, I don't know how to save to like, what else could I save up for, right? So we're trying to make that shift. So, you know, the messaging is really important. I think with employees, it's always really important. Again, there's different challenges in hiring younger people from hiring older people, um, but just really getting everybody on board and having them understand when we're such a small team it really matters if you do a good job and if you show up to work ready to go and if you're communicating well or if you're brewing on things that bother you without telling us and it all comes down to people right everything comes down to people who's contributing why aren't you contributing is it is it have we not taught you this is it apathy like what's going on cuz we need you we're depending on you it's not like we're not going to notice if you don't show up today like it, we really need you um so that's an important part of the startup the other big part is just kind of we're in a changing landscape We're we're based in D.C. because we're working with federal legislators now to craft the market. So there's constant changing legislation coming out and we're trying to get our crystal ball out to predict exactly what's going to happen and make sure that we're structured the right way to protect the freedom and flexibility that we want to have within our system from whatever comes down the road in the future. Um, There's always competitors happening. So that's something. Um, I'm doing all the client-facing meetings as well as all the partner-facing meetings. So that means every discovery call, every demo, every proposal presentation. I'm doing that. I'm working with benefit brokers. I'm working with retirement advisors who see all that leakage happening from the accounts who would like to have a solution on how to fix that. Um, We're working with... HR consultants, we're working with some of these um, workforce development organizations who are, for example, trying to help people who have been formerly incarcerated come out and find employment, right? So we're working with those employers saying, these people have different financial needs than your basic, you know, run-of-the-mill workforce. This is a labor pool that doesn't have all the same financial resources at their disposal that many employees would. So they're going to lean on you more for that. But this is a great labor pool that wants to go to work, but you want to have the right benefits in there that speak to them, that move the needle for them. So it's really thinking about all of that collectively. We do have a customer success side and we have an engineering side, um, but I really try to stay in my lane of being the voice and the mouthpiece of the company, super active on LinkedIn. We do a lot of marketing, advertising, all those kind of things. Um, and then again, having building those relationships because it every business comes down to people. I don't care what you're selling. Every business comes down to people. Everybody is in sales in some way. I totally agree. So it yeah. sounds
0: like the culture of your organization yeah. has been paramount to the success that you've already experienced. And then yeah. number two, the collaborations and the partnerships that you're building is also key to the growth that you've experienced. Yep. Which is the same for all businesses. We need to be focused on our culture that we're building. Always be thinking about how you're going to grow, but start it from the beginning. What's, what are the core values? Who are the people you want to work with? Right. But then also one of the best and least expensive ways to initially grow and even later on to grow is through partnerships and collaboration. Look at Nike; that's how mm-hmm. Nike really blew up. It's the same idea. So I love what you're up to. I love the concept behind the business, um, and I actually love the title as well. Sunny, yeah, day. <laughs> it's, it's,
1: it's really nice for branding and marketing. I feel like the the sky is the limit. Um, I just think that as you're creating something on the employee side, it's really like the storytelling is so important. The storytelling of why are we doing what we're doing? Where are we hoping to go? You're an integral part in that. We want you to grow with us. We want you to be with us. These are the things that we're going to like. We have to paint those pictures that we see in our head as an entrepreneur of what we're trying to create and where that's going to go. And let them know, like, everybody here is really important. Everybody's really vital. Um, And I want you to grow with us, right? I want them to have an identity with my dream and with what we're doing here so that they don't, I I think it builds loyalty, right? I want them to feel emotionally connected to this and invested in the success of the company, because I think that's the cure for apathy that so many employers kind of get frustrated with. We just want to get everybody on board and excited about, we're going to do this. It sounds like you are doing it. So I love it. (laughs)
0: All right. Where can people find out more about you and
1: about Sunny Day Fund? So I pretty much live on LinkedIn. So you can find me, um, Rachel Fox, at the Sunny Day Fund on LinkedIn. SunnyDayFund.com is our website. So you can go and poke around there. Both they have, um, we've got information from an employee standpoint and from an employer standpoint. So you can kind of calculate the ROI on bringing in um an emergency savings vehicle particularly if you're seeing a lot of leakage from your 401k or a lot of attrition problems with people job hopping for 50 cents an hour across the street that tends to go away if they've got two or three grand saved up with one employer so
0: um
1: a lot of that can be, can be fixed. And a lot of it doesn't even take new budget. Like we can repurpose safety bonuses or, you know, um, retention bonuses or performance bonuses or profit sharing into kind of what we're incorporating as the employer match there so that we can really use that as a money multiplier um, and create better financial outcomes to promote financial fitness with the existing budget you're already giving them. It just uh, is doing it in a more strategic vehicle. Yeah.
0: Love it. Go check it out. If you have staff and you want to keep them, you heard what she said. I completely agree. Go check out Sunny Day Fund. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. This was great.